Take Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And today our topic is Qigong, and my guest is Dean Johnson, spokesman for the Qigong Association of America and a Qigong practitioner and instructor. Dean graduated from the Oregon College of Oriental Medicine. How old is the practice of Qigong? Probably from the beginning of time. Usually people put a number like 2,000 to 5,000 years. It's really the heart of Chinese medicine, so Chinese medicine is also put in that range of two to 5,000 years ago. So it's hard to say. It's from the beginning of time. I actually think that Qigong was kind of a natural uh, outgrowth of, in all cultures, actually doing some kind of motion, some kind of movement, some kind of, type of reconnection to your spirit. So I think that's part of all of our basic culture. Some of us uh, kept it like with the Qigong and other cultures kind of dropped it away when they became modernized like ours. Didn't Qigong originate in China? Uh, yes, it did. I, I guess I'm using the broad thing of energy work. Uh, qi, qi means energy. Gong means a skill or a work. So energy work in general is what it is. But yeah, Qigong, using that word, we would talk about China specifically. I've read that Qigong is a self-healing Art that combines movement and meditation. Is that an accurate description? Yeah, that's one way I like to look at it. You know, all the benefits of meditation, you know, relaxing and, and reconnecting with your spirit. And then adding movement to that really gets the body involved and uh, reconnects the person. I think one of the big problems with, with um, disease here in the West is our disconnection with ourselves. And so it's a body-mind exercise that helps you reconnect with, your, with yourself. How many different types or forms are there today? I, I, I talked to a scholar in China a couple of years ago, and he said there were about 3,000 or more. There are only really about 10 or so that are really well used and are valuable, I think. trouble with the Qigong is people tend to learn it, then they tend to modify it a little bit, and then they tend to, tend to want to spread it out to other people, and they, they'll change the name of call themselves a master, and, and now you've got a new form. <laughs> so, so there's a lot of different forms, but... Uh, not that many, just basic forms. Is Tai Chi a type of Qigong? Well, the, the Tai Chi people say not. They'll say Qigong is just a broadened view of, of Qigong, but, but I, th I think so, yes. I learned Tai Chi myself years ago, and it was taught more as a slow-moving martial art. There was very little talk about the energy work that was involved with it, the, the visualization of what you were doing. This is the way it was taught to me with, through a couple teachers. And Qigong is taught more. There's really no martial component to it. It's all self-healing. And there's usually a lot more emphasis on the, on the energy part of what you're doing when you move. Now, now Tai Chi has energy involved. Usually going that route, it takes more time to, to develop the energy within yourself. So as a Qigong person, I would say Tai Chi was a form of Qigong that was had less emphasis on the energy part and more on the movement part. I've also heard that one way to classify many of these different Qigong practices is by categorizing them as martial or medical or spiritual. Is that a valid approach? Well, one thing I often think of is with, um, with martial arts is they're more external energy. So you're, you're doing like you're pushing on someone or hitting someone. And Qigong is more internal. If you're going to be really good at an external martial art, I believe you have to know, you have to practice yourself an internal martial art. And if you talk to these folks that maybe do do a Kung Fu or whatever, they do an internal art also in order to develop their Qi and develop their awareness. But then they maybe do an external, like a martial art. 
I keep saying the term medical Qigong. How does that differentiate from regular Qigong? I don't differentiate it too much myself. Just about all Qigong is medical. A lot of people get into Qigong initially initially because they have some problem in their body. They have cancer or they have pains and things like that. And they'll get into it based on that aspect of it. And it's very good for for working with that. And later on, they'll use it for just developing qi or, or developing spiritual awareness and connection. But from what I see, there isn't that much difference, more the emphasis. Like if you take a medical Qigong class, they would probably be talking about your medical issues and, and, and uh, maybe adapting the form to your particular problem. But overall, you're trying to move energy, build energy, keep energy flowing in the proper direction. The, the Chinese model of health has a lot to do with what they call qi, and qi is really a concept that's built into the culture of China. When you eat your food, you eat da qi, and when you breathe the air, you get another kind of qi. So it's a, the concept that they readily think about. When a body is having a problem, it relates to qi, and usually you might think of three different ways. It relates to qi, not having enough qi. Then you can have qi that is blocked, and you can understand that as maybe pain or maybe even cancer. A long-term blockage of an energy through an area can turn into cancer in a body. And then the um, qi may be going the wrong way, which could cause various uh, types of dysfunction. So with qigong, you're trying to develop your qi so you have more of it and also get it running in the proper direction and flowing smoothly through all your body. And when that's happening, you are in very good health. I've heard that qigong can lower blood pressure, so it's obviously good for the body. But it also lowers stress, so it's good for the mind. Is that why it's so often called a mind-body exercise? Well, we used to kind of divide mind and body here in the West and would say, you know, take this drug, and and, uh, and that the mind had nothing to do with anything. And then in more recent years, we've, we've come to accept the idea of stress. And what stress is, basically, is the mind hurting the body. <laughs> it's a some attitude in your mind or some external influence that makes you, you know, tense up and such, hurting your body. So it's it's how we've started here in the West to understand the mind-body connection. But there's a lot more to it than that, a lot more about the energy and how it works and a lot more how a, body, a mind can change a body. When I describe what Qigong does, is it's like you have your little self, which is the, the ego, the part of you that worries about all the day-to-day stuff, you know, the laundry list and the shopping list and the, the IRS and all that kind of stuff. And then you've got your big self. I usually draw that as a big circle above that small circle. And that's like your soul or your, your big self anyway, to, to not make it religious at all. But it's, it's, your, it's the part of you that worries about you know, global concepts like, uh, like the meaning of life and such as that. And it's your higher self, and it's the part of you that you want to have part of your life and generally. Most of what modern life does is keep us in this lower self, keep us worrying about the stuff of life, and doesn't let us uh, connect with our soul or our higher self. And Qigong is a tool to do that. Meditation tends to be more, um, it gets you in your higher self and kind of tries to keep you there. With Qigong, you're, you get into your higher self, you get into that meditative state so that you're in, in contact with your higher self, and then you do an exercise that brings you into your lower self, too, so it brings them together. And you really need that. You want, you don't want to, if you live a life without a connection to your higher self, it's a life not worth having lived. But if you live a life all in your higher self, you're not taking advantage of what, uh, of what this life offers you here in, in, in this world. What do Qigong exercises look like? They're basically slow-moving exercises. You've probably seen pictures of people in the park or even TV commercials. And it looks a lot like Tai Chi. Most of what's going on is not what's shown from the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. It's what, like when you're moving your hands up 
you're maybe beaming energy up with your hands, coming out of your hands, and maybe and as, as I lift my arms forward and back, I'm maybe beaming the energy into the top of my head. And then I'm pushing energy down my body as my hands are going down. So in my, in my visualization, I'm in this meditative state, I'm visualizing this energy flowing, and then I'm doing these slow movements. So from the outside, a lot of them it can look alike, but like I said, with the Qigong, we're, we're thinking about the energy more. What does it feel like when you're doing a Qigong exercise? Well, it's like, it's like meditation. It's like being in that state where you're calm and relaxed, and it's at focus, too, because you're doing things. So it's, a, it's a, a mixed feeling in that way. You're calm, focused, relaxed, doing something. <laughs> what you do, once, once you learn Qigong a, a bit, after you've done it for a while, you start feeling the Qi. Feeling the Qi is an interesting phenomenon where you actually feel this energy flowing through your body. And it's one of the things that really encourages people to continue to do it. Like when I first started learning Qigong, I could feel it in my right hand, for example, in, with a particular movement, but I couldn't feel it in my left hand, and I practiced and practiced. And then uh, you know, a month or two later, I could, I could feel it in my left hand, and I was getting more balance there in that part of my body. And it actually took a few years before I could actually feel it everywhere, wherever my attention went, the Qi would go. It's a, it, it gives you a person a lot of... Uh, feedback, a lot of uh, encouragement to continue practicing. How long does a normal session last? When you practice Qigong, from my experience, it takes about 20 minutes to do something to really get into it. Uh, that would apply to meditation to any kind of mind-body thing. It's, you tend to have to get into it that long in order to feel the, um, the progress with it. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. Are the exercises progressive? Do they become more difficult the longer you do it? Well, uh, a lot of people start to uh, well, teach a form, and they'll have a, a basic level, and they want people to start to learn that and then practice it for a few years. And they'll have more advanced level. It, it may be less difficult, actually. Like in the Soaring Crane, which is the, the main one I teach, uh, the advanced level is a lot easier. But you don't really want to start doing that until you've, you've laid the foundation, the, the groundwork with the, with the main form. So when you ask about getting more difficult, usually not more difficult particularly, but there may be levels, like uh, I was going to say peeling the layers off an onion and such to get to different levels of your of your being. How many sessions does it take before someone would begin to notice the health benefits? It kind of depends on where your health is initially. A lot of people feel something right away. That something isn't always necessarily pleasant, like if you've got... If you have a health problem, the qigong may be hard on you, actually, in some ways. Like, say, if your liver is clogged up, which is the case, was just true with about half of Americans. And if you start doing some qigong, you may get some reaction to that, some, some stomach distress, for example. And if you come and ask me about it, I'll say, oh, that's probably a good sign. Maybe you don't want to go as strong with your qigong until you, you work this through. But uh, usually in alternative health, you, you probably know um, often getting better requires a little getting worse at first. It feels like worse, but it's really a, you know, a cleansing sort of thing, a detox reaction you might get. And Qigong is, is alternative health. It's, it's whole health. And 
when you when you want when you move your body from where you're at now, depending on how toxic it is and such, to a better place, it, it's it's all often uh, feels a little discomfort at first. So um, people can feel things like that pretty quick. So I, I usually in the first class have to warn people about the possible reactions and try to get them into the mindset that oh, this is a good thing. <laughs> it's a hard sell on some people, but. Um, <laughs> But overall, depends on what kind of benefit you're looking for. I, I, I could feel it within the first month or so. You want to learn your form. You want to do it every day. Make it a part of your life. Because it'll wake you up to noticing things. In the simplest way, it will, it, you might think of it like I was mentioning when I felt the energy in one arm but not in the other. I could, I could feel that I was moving that arm differently, too. When you move, when you move slowly, you activate this uh, system in your body called the proprioceptive system. It's a, it's a part of your nervous system that recognizes position when you move do fast motion like in normal exercise you don't use that system but when you do slow motion like in qigong you activate this proprioceptive system which uh, like i said tells you where your position is and you will notice then as you're doing qigong that oh how come my left arm moves different than my right arm and, and you'll start paying attention to things like that and you'll be able to oh yeah maybe it's because of that injury i had you know 20 years ago that i jammed my shoulder in there and and you'll be able to work on things like that. You start first to start noticing, and then noticing is the first step to improving and to changing. What kind of health problems is Qigong especially good for? I got into it myself because I was a hospice volunteer, and I, I was looking for what was the best thing to treat for cancer patients. And my main teacher, Professor Chen, she had cancer. She was in China. She had cancer. She said it was breast cancer. They removed the breast. It had gone to her lymph nodes. They told her, get ready to die, go and prepare your things for her death. And she went out in the park, and this was at about the time where Qigong became legal again in China. This was about, uh, I guess, 25 years ago or, or more. After Mao died, under Mao, Qigong was illegal. And after Mao died, then Qigong started becoming, uh, coming out again and becoming more popular. And she went out into the parks. She learned Qigong. She, she cured herself of cancer and went on to, to teach it and to come to America and to spread it here, um, the sorry crane style that I teach. So I really got into it because I still do think it's the, the best therapy for cancer that you'll find. And it's, it's, it sounds a little odd to people I know that and here's an exercise for cancer. People are used to you know, chemo or drugs or radiation, etc. But uh, in China, there were total hospitals that are dedicated to treating cancer patients with Qigong. So it's, a, like I said, a concept that's weird here in the West, but in, in China it makes perfect sense. You know, they have a, they have a country with five times our population with um, much, uh, much lower health costs. We actually spend more on health in America than the Chinese spend on everything. Our medical system is, is a higher cost than their gross domestic product in China, which is their how much they spend on everything. And they have a quality of health that is equivalent to ours. So they use what works. Do people have to have certain religious beliefs for Qigong to work? No, no. One thing really nice about Qigong now, and I think one thing I, I thank the communists for, is that they took the, the spiritual aspect of it out. Before that, in order to learn Qigong, you had to go and become a disciple of some uh, some Taoist monk. And then the communists came in, and they didn't like all the religious stuff, and they kind of tore that stuff out. Now, Qigong is mostly, it's, it's, it's meditating and moving. And if what I described before, like higher self and lower self, if that means religion to you, then, then maybe there is some. But, but I, don't, I think of it as a non-denominational spiritual practice, actually. It's a physical practice, too, but it's, it's, a, it's a good spiritual practice. And you can bring it into your own religion. We don't dogmatize anything. And in one way, prayer is like that. Prayer is something you can do to make yourself more spiritual, but it doesn't, isn't tied to one religion or anything. 
Do you need an instructor to learn Qigong, or are there books and videos available? Well, this is one of my big arguments with my teacher, Professor Chen, because I learned mostly from video and book when I first learned it, and so I'm pretty strongly in favor of people being able to learn this from videos and books because, you know, there aren't enough instructors, and, and it's, a, it's such a valuable thing. I wouldn't want to deprive people of it. But a good share of the, you know, the, of the teachers and the, of the masters will tell you, you need a teacher, you need a teacher. I would say you can learn it initially, and then later on you can you know, seek out a teacher, perhaps, and learn it a little better. And if there's a teacher handy, that's great. You know, go for it. But uh, I don't particularly think it's necessary. I've heard that Qigong is beneficial for chronic conditions like fibromyalgia. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was mentioning, cancer. Cancer is probably the chronic condition. We, we know about it. We all get cancer every day. We all cure it every day unless you're in some chronic uh, problem with your immune system or you know, such as that. So, it, yeah, it helps chronic things. I know a fellow, just Don Eugene, he claims that the soaring crane the style I teach uh, cured his fibromyalgia. Like I said, uh, anything, that, any pain in your body in the Chinese model is related to blockage, blockage of qi and or blood. And doing a qi exercise like qigong will help move those blockages, build energy, so you have enough energy to move and will help break through those blockages, those places that hurt, and bring you to a better place. Can qigong movements be adapted for people with disabilities? Yeah. In my last class, I had a, I had a lady in there with a, with a leg missing, so she would have to do them all sitting down. And I used to, we still do actually, we still we do the soaring crane qigong, which is a little more vigorous. It's usually done standing up. And then there's an, another one we do, fragrant qigong. And that I've often had people do that sitting in a chair. There's a whole continuum of qigong exercise going from things that where you're not moving at all, really, but what you're doing is visualizing, like meditations with uh, visualizations accompanied. In this continuum, it's on, on, that's on the left, let's say, the just no movement but uh, visualization. And then on, in the continuum on the right, there might be all movement and no visualization, like, like the Tai Chi that I was taught. And in anywhere in between, the, the soaring crane that I like is kind of in the middle. It's uh, You do the visualization, but you also do the movements. And so a broad variety of types of qigong that can adapt to most anybody. Dean, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about qigong today. Oh, you're welcome. That time went awfully fast, didn't it? <laughs> Anyone wanting to learn more about qigong should check out the qigong association's website at www.qi.org. And to learn more about Dean, you can visit www.wholehealthclinic.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back again next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.